0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Kastrowitz, and this is our latest look at the Chicago White Sox. We are joined, as we are each and every week, by our friend Scott Merkin, who is still celebrating Michigan's comeback win over Colorado. Merk, if you come down from that Rocky Mountain High,
1: yeah. You know, I, I have a habit of, uh, as you know, from knowing me, Anthony, a little, a little neurotic, a little, uh, you know, uh, doom doomsayer. And I declared that game over probably six times in the first quarter. So I'm glad they, uh, I'm glad they came back and won and stayed unbeaten in what could be a very interesting, uh, college football season for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, unfortunately
0: on the South side, they're, they're looking at things like college football season because
1: the season has yes. not
0: gone as planned. And, uh, Really interesting, Mark, uh, over the weekend, uh, Jose Abreu was talking about the Royals', quote, desire to win and, and their hunger to win and to be good. And they asked, you know, do you feel like the White Sox have that? And he said no. He shook his head no. Um, what did you make of those comments and, and uh, where does
1: that all come from? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. It was after the last game of the series and, you know, the Sox won the first game behind Chris Sale and then lost the next three and, you know, lost them pretty... I mean, I guess really at this point of the year, it's kind of shades of gray. You lose, you lose, you win, you win. There's no style points anymore. But yeah. you know, this is a, a four and fourteen, or I'm sorry, five and fourteen record against the Royals this year. It's the most losses the White Sox have ever had in a single season against the Royals. I think in Jose's, I wrote this yesterday. I believe they're 18 and 39 in Jose's three years that he's uh, he's played played against them, and it's uh I think it's frustration boiling over, but I think a lot of people quietly in the organization are kind of glad that he said that. And, you know, it, we talked to him and he made the point about the Royals desire. And then I asked him to follow up. You know, I said, this may be out of left field. I think I might have even said, this might be a stupid question, but I said, do you guys have it? It was interpreted for him. And without hesitation, he said, no. And he had this kind of look in his eyes as if it was kind of definitive, like here lies one of the major problems. And he kind of said no again. And then we asked him, what do you need? What does the team need to get there? And he didn't really want to expound aside from being a typical Jose Abreu answer in that he pointed to himself first because he's the ultimate team team guy. He's, you know, the quiet leader. And he said, it begins with him. So he's not, you know, leaving anyone exempt from this criticism, but very interesting, very interesting. And I think that's kind of sums up where the White Sox, the direction they have to go and that they have to figure out a way to win, not to, you know, piece things together to really put a team on the field like 05 or even 08 that can contend for a, you know, a division title and beyond.
0: Yeah. He's had some uh, remarks in the past. Uh, I remember after late in his rookie year, I don't know if it was quite as strong, but but he was certainly a guy who's hungry to be a part of a, of a championship caliber ball club and not shy of a voice in that.
1: The thing with Jose is he's not going to be one who's going to turn over a table or, or yell or scream. And I I also can't remember the exact comment he made, but I remember him saying it was something along the lines of having to play as a family, have to be together. We can't be separated. We have to be all as one group. And there's kind of nuances. For a guy who, you know, is kind of learning and picking up and and mastering the English language, he's pretty good at the nuances, although there's not much nuance to the word no. I think that pretty much answers (laughs) the question. He, He does not believe that they have the same desire the same commit- I don't know commitment because I'm not putting words this up but the same desire to win and be good that the Royals have shown at least against against them and, and overall because let's face it they're the two-time defending American League champ and the defending World Series champ and I think you know to say Jose hates to lose is kind of silly because there's no one who plays the game and says hey this is cool we've lost six in a row okay let's go get dinner you know no one likes to lose no one I just think it manifests itself different ways in different players and Jose is just a tireless worker. You know, he's, he, a trait of these great players is they never change the routine, whether they're over 30, whether they have the, the, the rough middle months that Jose had where he didn't hit a home run in all of August, or whether he – I'm sorry, all of July, or whether he's just killing it like he has been over the last two months. You know, they never change the routine. There's no panic. And I think they expect that same kind of, you know, level of dedication. Not saying it's not there. But Jose was speaking in kind of broad strokes that the organization needs to get better and needs to move more in that direction.
0: Well, while we're on the subject of Abreu, he actually has a chance to join Albert Pujols as the only player in history to finish with 30 home runs and 100 RBIs in his first three seasons. And it's amazing, Merck, because you think about where Abreu's numbers were in July. uh, Obviously, it's taken a huge climb in these last 40 to 50 games to, to put himself in that position.
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting. You know, we've we've talked at nausea about um, you know his son Dariel coming over here and that making a difference. And Jose has kind of laughed, and I think he kind of looks at it when we ask him about that that we're putting the blame on his son for not being here as to why he struggled. And he's, he kind of laughs and says, "No, I didn't hit because I didn't hit. That was it. You know, it's no one else's fault." But I think what we're saying is, you know, you're a father, Anthony. It just it just kind of lifts lifts your spirits when he hadn't seen his son in three years. Sure. And now he arrived and I think it kind of coincided when he knew he was coming, but the turnaround started. And remember that this, this year was the first time that he actually saw him and then had to leave him, you know, in the time that he's been playing for the white sacks, where he went to uh, Cuba with the major league, um, goodwill tour over there in December. So I think that makes a difference, but I think, he, you know, he also said he's made some mechanical adjustments, and he, and he's chased less pitches out of the zone. That's one thing. When you know, Jose's off target, you'll see him chasing that pitch on the outside corner and kind of flailing at it. And, Everything he's been hitting, even the outs have just been line drives or hard-hit grounders somewhere, and, and he's been great. Yeah, I mean, it's still – you know, he's got a little bit of work to do to get to the 3,100. I, I think the 100 RBIs will be a little easier in the 30 home runs. He's got, what, um, but, you know, basically a week and a half to get five home yeah. runs. So that, that's that's, that's going to be a feat. But, you know, the way he's been swinging – he hit he one, yes, one at Kauffman Stadium the last game of that series where I, I guess that you would say it, would, it cleared the third wall in center, and I, I've rarely – seen that happen in the 14 or 15 years I've been watching games at Kauffman Stadium. It was just a monster shot. And I think if nothing else, this shows that any small, small doubt from the outside, I don't think really from the inside, that maybe he was slipping in his third year is, is just not as unfounded. He's ready to go and still a prime middle of the lineup type of bat. Yeah, it certainly finished a strong
0: uh, Chris Sale is hoping for a strong finish that would help his Cy Young chances. And schedule works out fairly well for him here. Murky's going to face the Phillies this week. Uh, he'll face the Rays next week. Neither neither one of those offenses are very strong. Uh, if he if he pitches in the regular season finale, that's against the Twins, who have uh, you know been very banged up here uh, in their lineup in recent weeks. So uh, I don't know where Sale falls in the
1: Cy Young conversation currently, but you know, certainly a good opportunity for, for him to solidify his case. Well, I mean, what, what would you, you know, Off the top of your head, what would you think? I I think, you know, um, in this day and age of, of, you know, very good sabermetric numbers, but sometimes overstated, I think a guy like Rick Porcello, who's had a fantastic year for some reason is getting downplayed because he's won too many games, you know, (laughs) And, and he's got run support, but he's been great. I mean, think of some of the big wins, for instance, you know, the first game against Baltimore that just happened this week. I mean, Think of some of the big wins that he's had for that team. He's 21-4 and four with an ERA barely above three. I mean, he's done a great job, so he's in there. Sale is right across the board, and Corey Kluber, you know, leader in just about every statistical category, at least in the, not leader, but in the top four or five. And then yeah. you can't overlook, although some people would argue because he doesn't throw as many innings, the job that Zach Britton's done. I mean, Zach Britton arguably is, what, one of the top two or three MVP candidates on the Orioles this year. So I would think... Mm-hmm. He's got to be in the Cy Young mix too. You know, again, it, it's a question of the rest of those guys are contenders. J. A. Happ is another guy I guess you can throw in from Toronto, but the rest of those guys are contenders. So how does that, you know, work with Chris Sale? He's going to you know throw set a single season innings high for him. He's not going to reach his strikeout total last year, but that was kind of by design to kind of scale back a little bit. He's gone you know going into his start against in, in Philly, six straight starts where he's pitched at least eight innings. He has six complete complete games this year. I mean. Proven himself to be the ace that everyone thought he was. And I should add, i said this a number of times, I don't think the kind of pitcher you trade, even if you're rebuilding, I think you still keep and try and build around him and hope you can keep him.
0: I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, but maybe it should work backwards. Maybe for the Cy Young, it, 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 as opposed to the MVP conversation, the kind of team you're on should, should work against you if if it's good. <laughs> Chris Sale. Yeah, yeah, you uh, know, possibly. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, he gets he gets among the lowest run support in the American League. Um, look at it up here. He's, he's 21st uh, in all of baseball from the bottom. Uh, it runs support average at, at 4.38. Uh, the lowest, deserve in Santana with the Twins at 3.46, uh, just for the sake of comparison there. But, but yeah, I, I think it's harder to have a Cy Young uh, season on a bad team than it is to have a you know MVP season on a good team. So well, look, uh, look
1: at, I mean I'll give you one example of a game, and I'm not trying to you know single out David Robertson, but there was a game right out out of the second half. They uh, they got swept by Anaheim, and then Sale started the first game in Seattle. He threw eight innings. He allowed one hit. Shutout ball. Went into the ninth, leading 3-0. Robin Ventura decided to go to Robertson, and Seattle scored four in the ninth and won the game. You know, so, I mean, yeah. you're right. It, and, and that's just one example. I'm sure there's been plenty of guys who are on good teams who have had, you, wins, you know, lost and blown saves this year. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's, he deserves to be seriously considered, but there is a, a very good crop all, overall. And I should throw in one more stat about Abreu. I just looked this up, that he had, at the end of July, he had 11 home runs. He's hit 14 home yeah. runs. Over the last uh, 199 plate appearances, which is which is pretty good, pretty good, uh, pretty good total, I think.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, still, uh, still something to watch there with the White Sox these last couple of weeks, uh, as Abreu tries to reach 30, and uh, as Chris Sale tries to uh, add to his Cy Young ledger, as Cy Young resume. So we'll, we'll see how that all shakes out. Scott Merker will be all over for MLB.com. I want to thank him for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extras, Chicago White Sox edition.